There's a lot going on uh, in this story. And actually, this story about this great banquet appears in two Gospels. There are two versions. Luke has one, and then we have this one from Matthew. I'll be honest, given the choice, I'd take Luke's. Because in Luke's, it's just someone who throws a banquet, and actually nobody gets killed. It's really much nicer that way. But in Matthew's, we have a king, which for many of us, a king and a son, which makes many of us immediately think, oh, it must be God. And there's a lot of murder and mayhem. So as I say, I'd really rather be going with Luke, especially when we make that analogy, we think we're dealing with this vengeful God. So in order to get to where I think we really need to go, a little bit of history is in order. Matthew was writing to largely Christians who had become Christians from Judaism, seeing Christianity and Christ as the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah. But as we know, a great many Jews and Jewish leaders did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah or that Christianity could be in any way a continuation of Judaism. Then, on top of that, Matthew is writing after 70 AD, and that actually matters as well, because in 70 AD, Rome sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And Matthew thought that that was actually God's judgment on those who had not chosen to follow Christ. I don't actually agree with Matthew on that, but that explains what's going on in the first part of that story. But then we come to a part of the story that I think is really critical. So the first thing we discover also in Luke's is that all these people come in, brought in from the highways and byways, people who never expected to be there. And that's really good news for all of us because it says that when we are gathered into God's great banquet, maybe there'll be some folks there we know, but there are also going to be a lot of folks we don't and a lot of folks we would never expect. God's invitation is wide and we are all invited. But then there's this note that only appears in Matthew's gospel that is startling, startles me anyway, every time I hear it. And I've been ordained a long time, so I've heard it a lot. And it's that story about suddenly this man comes before the king and the king says, why don't you have the right clothes on? and has him bound and cast into the outer darkness. Now the immediate thought has to be, wait a minute. These folks were just brought in from the highways and byways. How on earth were they actually going to have appropriate wedding clothes on? And that's when we need to know a little something about customs in Jesus' day. And that is, if you were invited to a wedding and you knew you were invited, maybe you'd put on your very best tunic. But whatever you came in, once you arrived, you were actually given a wedding garment, a wedding cloth to wear. And that signified both the joy of the occasion and clearly that you were an invited and welcome guest. 
It's not unlike if you go to a synagogue now in our day and you don't have a yarmulke, there is a basket of yarmulkes, kippot, sitting there and you are invited as a guest to take one. You wear that as a sign of reverence to God, but also it signifies that you are a welcome guest. So even these folks from the highways and byways would have gotten that wedding garment. So why isn't he wearing one? Does that mean that it slipped off his shoulders and he didn't know what happened to it? Or maybe that he folded it up and put it in a corner somewhere, thinking he'd get it later. Either way, it was clearly a bad move. So what does that say to us? What does it say for us, about us? What is the wedding garment? And do we have one? I think we all do. I think we all do because our wedding garment is the joy of knowing that we are all called as beloved children of God. And I hope that's something that is deeply rooted in you. Maybe because you've heard us preach it enough, maybe because you just grew up singing Jesus loves me, or maybe because you really heard those words at your baptism or someone else's where the priest says, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and you are marked as Christ's own forever. That's the wedding garment, that unshakable joy that we are meant to have. And it comes to us no matter who we are, if we accept the invitation of God. And as we've already heard, all kinds of people all kinds of people get invited in by God. But how do we know if we're actually wearing it or whether it's maybe slipped off our shoulders, metaphorically speaking? Well, the fact is, I think we know it in a variety of ways. If we are really wearing that wedding garment, we should know not just joy, but also have an eagerness to make God's reign and God's rules and God's kingdom visible through the way in which we work for justice and mercy in the world. I think if we're wearing that garment, we have not just joy, but discover a real willingness to take risks for our faith, to do things or not do things, because we know that we are absolutely safe in God's love. And I think if we're wearing that garment, that wedding garment, we have not just joy, but a real commitment and desire to invite others in, to make sure that no one is left out on those highways or byways. If it slipped from our shoulders, not so much. Even worse, what if we have taken this gift we are given through the love of God and we folded it up, put it to one side and said, you know, I love this Christian thing. I really love that promise of God, but you know, I got other things I have to take care of first. I have to get on with business and I have to go the way 
the world tells me to go because you gotta go along to get along. I'll get to that, I'll get to that. Until it's put so far aside and is so much in the rear view mirror that you don't even know where it is anymore. The truth is if we do that, if it slips away and we don't notice or we pack it away for some later date, then the description Matthew gives us isn't so bad. That is actually choosing to put ourselves into a kind of darkness where there is wailing and maybe even gnashing of teeth when we realize what we've done or failed to do. So it seems to me that as we come to worship each week, as we remember the gift of God's love that is given to us for every day, we need to remember that we have been not just invited into life, but into life everlasting. That we have been invited into joy, but a joy that is without end. And that we have been given this age, given this gift for this age and also for the age to come. So I hope that we who have heard the great welcome of God will wear that garment boldly and proudly and with joy. Amen.